beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Well, welcome JFC. If you are joining us online or at one of our campuses, we are so excited to have you here with us this weekend. We are currently in the middle of a series called Simple, and we've been just discussing how to live simply through the holidays, if that's possible. This week, we'll be talking about the idea of simple joy. And so my prayer for each person listening to this message is that you would be able to find joy in a season that is often the busiest, most stressful, and complex time of life. But even more than that, that you would be able to take a part of this message and a part of what God is speaking to you and carry it on into January and February and in next year and the years to come that you would be able to learn to live a life filled with joy. And so that is my prayer for each person this weekend listening to this message. I have um, had an interesting week, and I feel like that always happens when I say words like this. I'm a really joyful person, and it comes naturally to me. So I said that at our teaching team meeting like a week and a half ago, and then had the worst week (laughs) of my entire life. So let me just tell you a little bit about what's happened. Last Thursday, week in a little, a few days, I was finishing up schooling. I'm in my final semester of classes for uh, my bachelor's degree and have just student teaching left to do. So it was supposed to be a really great week and a really exciting week. And the last thing I had to do was get an evaluation from one of my teachers that I've been teaching in a kindergarten classroom with. And she did not give me the evaluation I thought I deserved and was all of a sudden not very joyful to be in that class and just left. I was like, thanks so much, and just left the room. Then get in my car and don't look joyful, and I'm bawling. Apparently, pregnancy hormones kicked in, and I'm just crying on the phone to my mom about how awful it is, and I feel like I'm 10 again, tattling on my teachers to my mom, and I'm not joyful about it. I'm very, very mad about it. Then I go home, and I think every time I've spoke, I have told a story about the battles between me and my cat. And somehow, we again are at war in this season, and it's over our dang Christmas tree. And her and I think we each own it. I think it's mine, and she thinks the same thing. I think it's to decorate, and she thinks it's to destroy. So we're at war right now in our house, and I have a water bottle ready to spray her. I think she's become immune to it because she doesn't seem to move when I'm spraying her in the face over and over and over. So that night, my husband is kindly like, oh, I'll get the cat. But he crawls under and thinks it's cute that she's under our tree. And I'm like, get her out of there. He goes, I'll just, I'll do it gently. So he starts crawling under the tree and the whole tree starts moving. And I'm like, you're worse than the cat. And I get so mad at him and I'm so mad at the cat. And I start just 
bawling, and I'm like, it's 7.30 on a Friday night, and I'm going to bed because I'm pregnant, and by gosh, that's what I'm going to do. So I go upstairs, and I'm just so mad, and I'm so frustrated. And then later in the week, I get sick with a cold, and I'm sneezing, and I'm having a runny nose, and I'm just so frustrated. And then I find out that my student teaching position falls through, and the teacher doesn't want me or didn't know I was coming, which I was told she knew. So all around, horrible, horrible week for me. And I am left with the idea, I'm not a joyful person. But here's what God tells me in all of this is, it's not your joy that sustains you. And the true joy that we should seek in this life does not come from us being happy people or yay, we love life kind of people, but it comes from him. Joy that we should seek and that we should want is his joy and is his life. And tonight, that's what we're gonna dive into. How do we do that? How do we get this life of joy? I wanna watch though a video clip really quick just to get us all in the joyful mood so I'm sorry but Buddy the Elf is my favorite joyous character so we're gonna watch a little bit of him wow what's this this is the North Pole no it's not yes it is no it's not yes it is no it isn't yes it is no it isn't yes it is no it's not where's the snow why are you smiling like that I just like to smile smiling's my favorite Make work your favorite. That's your favorite, okay? Okay. Work is your new favorite. Fine. It's time for the announcement. Okay. Okay, people, tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., Santa's coming to town. Santa here? I know him. I know him. He'll be here to take pictures with all the children. Yeah. Just keep your receipts. 10 a.m. tomorrow. 10 a.m. tomorrow. Santa's coming to town. Yes. Can you sign this for me? <gasps> oh. Hi, Santa's coming. <laughs> I figured if I couldn't get you laughing, surely Buddy would bring joy to this room or to anybody listening online. But I was thinking when I was preparing for this clip, I laughed every single time I watched it, but I thought, you know, when you're not in this season of feeling joyful or when you're going through a really hard time, isn't it sometimes just the worst to be around those people? You just want to slap them because you are not there. And that man, I think perfectly describes how I felt this week when people were happy around me. I was just staring at them like, you've got to be joking me. But in all of that, it truly is God's will to have joy-filled lives and to be at that place. And today I want to discuss how do we do that? How do we get lives that are there? So we're going to read 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. Be joyful always. In some scripture references, it probably your uh, interpretation might say rejoice. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. 
So there's two parts of the scripture that I see. Is The first one is telling us what to do. It's Paul's instructions to us. Be joyful always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances. So there's the instruction. There's our three things that we are to do and that we are called to do. And then the second part is, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So I find hope in this because it means I can attain these things through Christ Jesus, that God desires these things for me in Christ Jesus. And I think the other important thing to realize is that these are all choices that we make, that being joyful, that praying continually, and that giving thanks are choices that we have to make in any circumstance and in any season of our life, we make the choice to do these things. So tonight we are going to talk about these things and I'm going to work my way backward. I'm going to start with number one, this, give thanks in all circumstances. So this week when I went to bed after the cat war with my husband and my cat, I was laying in bed and I just my attitude was horrible. It was horrible. I was so mad. I was ready to quit two weeks before finishing school. I'm done. They don't need me. I'm better than this. I'm done with my cat. She's going to the pound tomorrow. I'm so frustrated that no one listens to me, and I'm just getting bitter, and I'm getting angry, and it's not just about those things. Then it's just my life. I'm just mad at my life. I'm mad at where I'm at. I'm mad at the things that are happening to me and then I hear my husband downstairs and he's cleaning and it's not for him because he really doesn't care it's for me and he's I hear the water running knowing he's doing the dishes and then he's picking up the dog toys and turning out the lights and doing all these things and this moment of oh my gosh I have so much to be thankful for. I have so much to thank God for. And my attitude has changed that very quickly because I wasn't giving thanks to God for the things that I had. It's amazing that when we filter our thoughts through that thankfulness and through that, that it changes what we see in our life and how we see things. It's saying give thanks not in just some things, not in just the good, not in just the things that are easy, but the scripture commands to us, give thanks in all circumstances. And so I'm not asking in this, it would be silly to say give thanks for all circumstances. And sometimes we interpret scriptures like this. Sometimes we say, okay, I need to give thanks for where I'm at. I need to give thanks for all things. And that would not make sense to say, God, thank you for my child not being in a good place. God, thank you. That's not what it's commanding us to do. It's saying, God, thank you for giving me a child. God, thank you that in the midst of a hard circumstance, you are still good and you are still faithful. That's what it's telling us to do. It's in the circumstance. It's not for the circumstance. We don't have to be happy that we're struggling or that we're going through a hard time, but it's learning to live a life of God, you're good in all circumstances. And I can be thankful for you. I can be thankful for who you are and for what you are doing inside of me. 
I think the person in the Bible that most encourages me in this is David because he lived a life sometimes where I'm like, how were you able to still praise God? And in Psalm 138, I want to read this to you. I will praise you, Lord, with all my heart. Before the gods, I will sing your praise. I will bow down toward your holy temple and will praise your name for your unfailing love and your faithfulness. For you have so exalted your solemn decree that it surpasses your fame. When I called, you answered me. You greatly emboldened me. May all the kings of the earth praise you, Lord, when they hear what you have decreed. May they sing of the ways of the Lord, for the glory of the Lord is great. Though the Lord is exalted, he looks kindly on the lowly. Though lofty, he sees them from afar. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you, God, preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the anger of my foes. With your right hand, you save me. The Lord will vindicate me. Your love, Lord, endures forever. Do not abandon the works of your hands. If you ever need something to be thankful about, go read scriptures like this, where it talks about his unfailing love for you. His ways are so much greater than our ways. And if we just begin to say, God, I praise you. God, I thank you in the midst of this. God, you are good in all circumstances and in all things. You always look in love to me. So that's the first thing that we do. And then number two is this, we pray continually. God's desire is to be in constant relationship with you. God wants your heart. And, you know, if you think about it, if you go even back to Genesis, wasn't that his first desire to know us, to want to walk with us, to want to have friendship with us? He so desires not only to know us, but for us to know him. And how we do that here on this earth is through this thing called prayer. Surprise, no. But it's praying. And it's not just a stop and go process. It's not just you pray when you get up in the morning. You pray for your meals. And then you pray before you go to bed. Those things are great. And if that's how you're starting out, good. Start somewhere. You got to start somewhere. But it's talking in this scripture. And the command is pray continually. So This has been used, I know, many times and in many different messages, but really, it's such an example of what a marriage should look like. I can't expect to go home and to never have a conversation with my husband unless it's before dinner or before we go to bed and expect our relationship to grow and expect to know who he truly is. And in the same way, he's not going to know who I am. Even if we go about our days together, even if we were to walk and experience the same things in the same day, if we don't communicate with each other, you miss out on so much with the other person. And we take this and we go, I have prayed this prayer so many times. God, you're not speaking to me. God, you're not talking to me. Hello, I need some words from you. And then I think, oh, I haven't been talking to you. 
He wants you to be talking to him as much as he is talking to you. It can't just be one-sided. It can't just be a thing of God's just constantly telling you things. He wants your heart. And, and here, here, pay attention to this. When we begin to stop communicating, when we stop communicating, our voice becomes a lot louder and his becomes unclear. If you are struggling to hear his voice, if you are having a hard time listening to what he is saying, could it be possible that you are not in a place of continually praying? Sometimes it's uncomfortable, and sometimes it takes a lot of practice to get used to this. I, I think this will be something you perfect for the rest of your life and work on for the rest of your life because it's not tangible. It's not easy to just grab hold of. Thankfulness is easy, right? We can write down what we're thankful for. It's tangible. We can see it. We can see it in our lives, but prayer isn't always tangible. It isn't always something we can see. A person, though, that I think is as close to perfecting this as I know, is my husband's grandmother. We call her Nene. I'm not fully sure why, but that's her name. She's Nene, and she is about, she's the only person I know shorter than me. She's about this tall, and she's this tiny little ball of fire that is so in love with Jesus. It just astounds me anytime I get the opportunity to talk to her. I often wish I could sit down with her and just go, what's inside your head? Tell me a little bit about what you know about Jesus, because you have to know secrets, because you must spend so much time talking to him and spending time with him and doing these things with the Lord that I want to know what you know. And so Nene loves to pray. And I think this is why she has such a close relationship with the Lord. Nene is a person that just prays with anybody. She, when my husband was in college, they used to call each other every single week and they'd pray together. And then she goes and she prays with JJ's other cousins. And then she drives over to my in-law's house and she prays with them. And then she'll call me and she'll pray with me. And then after she's prayed with all those people, then she goes to her neighbors and she she prays for all of them. She leaves for like hours at a time and her husband doesn't know where she's at and she's always praying for people in their houses, praying for the sick, praying for the healed, praying for people who don't really want prayer. She is praying all the time and doing this in a way that I just so admire. And the first time I got to go out to eat with her, we... Um, we went to this Chinese restaurant, and we all ordered our food. My husband, my new grandpa, and then Nene. And the food is coming to the table. And as it comes to the table, Nene goes to the server, Oh, would you like to say grace for our dinner? And I put my head down like, oh my gosh, I'm so uncomfortable for him. Not because I'm embarrassed <laughs> that we're praying, but because this is the face that he gives. Uh, and it happens every time she asks someone. I have never seen someone say, yes, I would love to pray for your food. But they go, they don't want to upset her either because she's 76 and she looks so happy. You don't want to tell her no. So they go, um, um, and I'm watching this going, I don't know how he's going to get out of this. But he just, he just like somehow finds something to be busy with. Like he's like, 
the rice and like runs off. And so I sit there and I just thought, huh, Nene is so bold. Nene is just so on fire that she's not afraid to say anything. But you know what the truth is? Nene has such a relationship with the Lord and prayer is such a natural thing to her that it would be like telling someone sitting at the table that she the server would need permission to speak to her husband because that's how close she is to God. He's his, her best friend. He is at the table with her. She is constantly talking to him. So to her, it's inviting people into something that's so natural for her and something she does all the time and is so comfortable in doing. And I thought, God, I so want a relationship like that with you. I desire to be in a place where I can pray and just invite people into it with me. And it's comfortable and it's easy. And, you know, the thing to do is to just start praying. It's just to start praying and it's just to start getting used to that. That's how Nene got to where Nene's at. She just started praying. So my challenge for all of you today is start praying. Get to where Nene's at. Do it sooner than she did. Let's be in a place of, God, you're my best friend, and you know everything about me, and I am learning to know everything about you, and I want to spend my life knowing each other. The third thing, and the place I want to spend the most time with, is this. Be joyful always. Be joyful always. His will for your life is that you would have joy. And in preparing for this message, I I struggled with writing part of this because I didn't want to come across naive to the fact that there are real struggles in this life and that it's not always easy and that it's not always comfortable, and that there are real, true hardships that people are sitting in this room or listening online going through. And for me to just stand up here and say, be joyful, sounds so easy when I'm standing up here doing it, but it's a whole other thing when you're walking through the hardest, darkest days of your life. But here is my hope for you, and here is my encouragement to you, is it is his will for your life. It is his desire that you would have joy, because if we go back to 1 Thessalonians, it says, be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. Pay attention, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. It's his will for you. These things are things he desires for you, not for his sake, but for your sake. So I can stand up here and I can say, yeah, it may not always be easy. And maybe it does come more naturally for some than for others. But ultimately, God wants joy for you. God wants joy for your life. And he wants you to live in a life that has joy in it. Hebrews 12, 2 through 3 says this, Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. 
scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So if we want to have joy and and we think, okay, God, I'm not in that place. God, I'm not in a place of joy right now. And maybe especially in the Christmas season, you are feeling so stressed. And how am I going to pay for all of these presents? And how am I going to get it all done? And I don't like going out and spending time with people. And I have to go to my fifth Christmas party tomorrow night. How am I going to find joy in these things? Let's look at what Jesus did. He set For the joy set before him, he endured the suffering that he had to go through. It is not the picture I want to paint tonight of life's easy. Just have joy. Just go through things. You know, if Jesus had to endure things here on this earth, certainly we are going to have to endure things here on this earth. But... There's a way to get through it. And there's a way to hold on to that joy. And it's you set it before you. You have to set the prize before you. In my own life, I've had to experience this in a very um, not easy way. I found out, my husband and I found out that I was having a baby at the end of August, and we were so, so excited for this and just so thrilled for the privilege of being able to have a little baby that is a little bit of him and a little bit of me. And I have, since I was a little girl, I've wanted a little baby. I used to, I was, I was that little girl who had like 20 dolls, and they were all my kids, and I've just always desired that. I've always wanted that. And so I find out I'm pregnant, and I'm like, this is finally my time. And about four weeks into the pregnancy, my husband had to go away on a uh, retreat for worship, and they were doing some planning. And truly, the day he left, I get incredibly sick, and I start throwing up a lot and I can't keep any food down and I just naturally think oh this must be the flu well it keeps going and it surpasses the 24 hours and I'm getting more dehydrated and I'm getting sicker and sicker and I'm all alone with just the cat and the dog and they don't know what's going on and I'm like crawling to the bathroom at this point because I'm so sick. So my husband actually has to come home from the retreat to take me to the hospital because I have become so ill that I have lost five, six, seven pounds within four days, and I'm not able to keep anything down, including water. So he has to take me to the hospital. We get there, and they start telling me I need to go on this medication. So they put me on this medicine that's supposed to, they say, will help the nausea. And, and then they start telling me, within a few weeks, this should calm down, and your hormones should balance out. And, and I'm like, okay, I can get through this for a little bit. I didn't know that morning sickness can happen more than just in the morning. But for me, it's 24 hours a day. So I get through the first week, and I get through the second week, and I'm still just so, so sick. And then it's three weeks, and then it's four weeks, and then I am just so sad because the thing that I have looked most forward to and this time that I should feel so joyful in is probably the hardest time 
in my life. And, you know, I can stand up here and you can say, well, that doesn't sound that bad, but you haven't walked in my shoes and experienced four months of just nonstop sickness. And I just don't, just as I don't know what you've walked through and the hardships that you have faced. And so I am 20 weeks pregnant and I have been sick for almost the entire thing of it, except maybe the last week and a half. I've just been sick, sick, sick. And so everybody asks how you are. How are you feeling? How are you doing? I started lying after a while. I just told everyone I was doing. I'm like, great. But in the middle of this, I start hearing people who are truly close to me say, you know, your attitude in this is so great. You've been able to really just keep up instead of just, you know, quitting and laying in your bed for the rest of the pregnancy. And I just thought, yeah, huh, that's weird. I, I, it's just part of, I guess, what it is. But here's why. Here is why, and I think it ties into the scripture, is at the end of this, at the end of my suffering, and at the end of this pregnancy, I get to hold a little baby boy that's going to be mine. And all the things I've had to go through and all the hardships I've had to face in this pregnancy, this little baby makes it so worth it for me. And this little baby that I get to hold is this prize and this hope that I hold on to. And I go, yeah, I can last another day or another day or however long it takes because I get to have a son at the end of all of this. So when I'm preparing in September, I was assigned this joy teaching. And the Lord, I I was praying about, you know, this child and praying, God, what do you want to do with this message? And here's what I felt like he wanted me to say. And this is for someone sitting in this room or maybe listening online, but this is so specific for certain people is this. That at the end of whatever you're going through or whatever you're suffering through, and maybe it's been years of your life that you've had to deal with something. Here's what God wants you to know. That at the end of it, he is waiting for you. And that he is the joy that is set before you. And that if you can keep your eyes on him and keep your gaze fixed on him, he will give you joy in every day that you walk through, in every moment that you have to continue on or feel like you're struggling. He is going to give you joy. So church, hold on to him because he is worth it and his faithfulness is worth it and his love is worth it and he's holding on to you. And I just see him cheering you on going, you can do it. You can get through it. Have joy in this because I'm waiting for you. I'm waiting for you. So how do you close this? Where do you go with this? I think the thing in what we find in 1 Thessalonians is we realize joy is not a feeling, but really joy is an action. But joy is an action that produces a feeling. And I believe that the feeling that joy produces is hope. 
And hope is what has allowed me to get through this pregnancy. And hope is what allows you to go through a hard time and get through it and look on the other end and go, I knew there was something better on the end. I knew that I could get through this. It is that emotion of hope. Hope is the most powerful emotion I believe on this earth that we can have. But sometimes to get that hope, sometimes to attain it, we have to do the act of joy first. We have to take the step of going, okay, I choose to have joy in this. I choose to have joy always because God, you are my prize and I will set you before myself so I can endure this. You are my prize and I will have hope in you. I will hope in the Lord and he will bring it. He is faithful. When we're called and instructed to do things, when there are instructions in the Bible for us to do, rest assured that the thing God promises is always waiting for you is always there for you. That if you are faithful with what he calls you to do, to be joyful and to pray continually and to have things in all circumstances, that his will for you is to attain joy and to have hope and to get through anything. So I leave you with this. Choose today to have joy so that you can do anything and believe that anything is possible. God, I thank you that you would entrust me to speak this message to your people. God, that you are such a loving God and such a kind-hearted God toward us, that your unfailing love, God, truly doesn't fail. And I thank you for that. God, I pray for the people in this room or for the people at the campuses, or for the people listening online. God, that if those who are sitting going, I don't have this thing called joy, Lord, that you would begin to fill them with hope as they take an act of faith and going, I choose today though, God, to have joy. I choose today to have joy because this is your will for my life. God, your will for me is to not suffer and it isn't to go through painful situations, but God, your will for me is joy. So I choose joy. I choose joy today. God, I pray for people to have the courage to step out in that, to have the courage to step out and to say, God, I just say yes to you. I say yes to you and to your promises. God, I pray that not a word of what was spoken to hearts tonight would be stolen. That when they walk out of the rooms that they're in, Lord, that you would continue to do a work in their hearts. I thank you, God, for all that you're doing. We give you praise, Lord, and we glorify you. In Jesus' name, amen. You are all officially dismissed. The coffee bar is open at all the campuses. So please go grab a coffee, maybe sing some carols with your neighbors next to you and have a great day.